Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. I'm Dan Thomas, joined in the studio today by Ali Moreno and Stevie Nicker. We'll kick things off in La Liga on Monday night. Atletico Madrid beating strugglers Granada by one goal to nil. It was that old combination of Griezmann to Morata that proved to be the difference between the two sides. Although Granada will be aggrieved that they didn't get a penalty late on in this game. What that means, well, Granada's still in the relegation zone for Atleti. Well, they move now level on points with, uh, uh, sorry, with Athletic Club. They move up into fourth. They're still, though, 11 points adrift of Girona at the top of the table. Uh, job done then for Atleti. The big talking point away from what happened in that match, Ali, is that Moise Kane looks like he's going to be making that move in January. This is a player who there was a lot of hype about, mm. but certainly hasn't lived up to expectations. Of mm. course, Juventus went to Everton, did nothing, went to PSG, did nothing, hasn't done much this season for Juve. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm selling him very well. I, I don't think you are. But to be honest with you, I don't know that Diego Simeone and Atletico Madrid are expecting Moise Kim to come in and make a huge difference. He's coming in as a guy who's going to give you an option off the bench. And frankly, I think this has to do as a reaction for Atletico Madrid, given the fact that Angel Correa is rumored to be going to Saudi Arabia. And if indeed that's the case, then you need those, those numbers coming off the bench to have a, a change of pace or a different look in the attack for Atletico Madrid. They become very dependent on Antoine Griezmann and, of course, Alvaro Morata. Memphis Depay was supposed to be the guy that maybe off the bench was going to give you something different, but he's struggling to stay fit and to stay healthy. And if indeed that's the case and Angel Correa is not going to be around, you need numbers. Moise King provides you that. Yeah, we mentioned that. Memphis Depay, when he came off the bench yeah. in the Real Madrid game, did not exactly set the world alight. No, and, and hasn't done for a while. A lot of it has to do with lack of fitness and lack of uh, game sharpness, if you will. But how are you going to get on the field when Morata and Anton Griezmann have done so well? And indeed, when there has been a need for Atletico Madrid to have somebody come off the bench and play in the attack, Memphis Depay hasn't always been the first option. You think more of Angel Correa as a guy who can be a difference maker. I think Angel Correa is a player that has been important to Atletico Madrid and sometimes underutilized by Diego Simeone. Not quite sure what the relationship is there. Angel Correa seems like a difference maker, much more so than Moise Kim. But if he's going to move on, you need numbers. Is the, is the well that dry in world of football that <laughs> you're complaining about a guy in Depay who hasn't done anything coming off the bench? And you go and get a guy who's done nothing coming off the bench. Is, 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 are right. we really? There's a lot of negativity, it seems, about this transfer. It makes no sense. Uh, meanwhile, for Granada, not the result, of course, they were looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want a reason? No. Well, it's, yeah, yeah. Can anybody give me a reason? Uh, Granada uh, struggling. Almeria, of course, rock bottom, yet to win a single match of this season. Granada sitting second from bottom. Kadif uh, make up the three at the moment in the relegation zone. As I mentioned then, Copa del Rey for Atletico Madrid this week. Uh, they take on Sevilla on Thursday. Meanwhile, it's Athletic Club take on Barcelona Mallorca against Girona. And in the game tomorrow, Celta Vigo against Real Sociedad. All these four matches, one leg will be done. Dusted will know the semi-final lineup by the end of the week. All these games live on ESPN+. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. 
And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For more on La Liga, Mario Malchior is here, as is former Premier League referee Mark Clattenburg joins us as well. Um, I don't know if you heard, there were some controversial calls in the Real Madrid game uh, yesterday. Three times VAR sent the referee to the monitor and three times he changed his mind in favour of Real Madrid. Did he get them all right? Well, let's see what Mark has to say. Mark, let's start off, shall we, with a penalty incident. Uh, this, of course, just after the break in the second half. Uh, Jose Lu with the challenge. It's a clear hand ball, but does he foul the defender? Yeah, when the ball gets cleared in, there is an arm from a defender. A little bit outstretched, but what I do see is there is a nudge by the attacker on the defender, which makes him handle the ball as there. That's where the push is, and that's what makes the arm come out, and that's where the ball hits the arm. For me, yes, there's a handball, but for me, the VR should have sent the referee to the screen. Yes, there's a potential handball, but there is a foul in the build-up to the handball, and therefore to give a defensive free kick. So it clears the decision up, because you can't really play on in this situation, because there will be a debate, is it a handball or not? But the VR... VAR's job is to inform the referee, yes, there's a handball, but there is a foul in the build-up and therefore to disallow the handball and to give a defensive free kick. Mark, we heard the audio actually. La Liga released the audio of the incidents and in that one in particular, no, no, no mention of the foul whatsoever. It was all about the handball. Is that the problem that officials have? They get so obsessed with one incident, they can't then pair it with another. Yeah, because what, he's, what the VR is doing is, because his job is to see if there's a handball or not, and he's concentrated so much on the handball, is the arm outstretched, is it in a natural position, is there a movement of the ball? So all of this criteria, the VR is trying to clearly and quickly analyse that decision. He's quickly analysed it and he's obsessed with a handball and he's thinking, yes, I'm very happy with a handball, I'm going to send the referee to the on-field monitor, and he's only shown them the handball. What I want the referees to do also is to say to the VR, slow down here. Can you show us a few seconds before the incident and a few seconds after so I can see the full picture? Because in slow motion, the decision becomes distorted and you don't get the reality of the decision. And if the referee had done that, he would have clearly saw that there was a push in the build-up. And that's what sometimes the VR is missing because they're only analysing the handball. Mario, was this a foul for you? Yes, 
because if you can see the way Rudiger is jumping and you saw they're pushing, they, they're pushing both arms on the player in front of them and then the ball hits his arm and then they give it to him. For me, it's like clearly, if you look at the players, look, he jumps up, Rudiger jumps up and literally uses his arms. If you look at the jump, look, boom, he can't even go. Gonzalo cannot even go up. So that's for me already, that's stopping you from jumping. And mm. then I feel like, okay, afterwards something happens, but that is literally after what, whatever they did to you. So no, I don't, I don't, I, I understand that <laughs> if I was that coach, I told you on bad card later, but come on, man, this is crazy. Okay, so maybe Almeria felt uh, rightly agreed for that decision. Let's move on to them scoring to make it 3-1. A nice counter-attack goal. However, of course, it's reviewed and there was a judge. There was a foul on Jude Bellingham in the build-up and this was chalked off. Was this the right decision, in your opinion, Mark? Well, let's go back. Let's go back to it. The referee is in an absolute fantastic position. He's no more than two metres from the, from the initial challenge by the, the, the midfielder. He's shaking away from Jude Bellingham. Yes, his arm's out. Is it natural? Is it contesting for the ball? For me, it is. The referee has a perfect position and he's allowed the play to continue. If he wants to stop it at this moment, then he stops the attack and fears. So I get that. He, he stops it. He gives a foul. At that minute, I can understand it. But for me... It's two players contesting the ball. The midfielder's trying to get away. And once the attack carries on, for me, the VAR cannot interfere. And this is where I think the frustration around the world is about VAR. One week, we say, is it a clear and obvious error by the referee? Is there enough evidence to give for the VAR to interfere? One week there is, one week there isn't. For me, this is a clear example where the VAR should not interfere. It's two players contesting for the ball in midfield. The referee has a perfect position. It's not a clear and missed error by the referee. It's an opinion and for let the game flow. And I feel this is where Almeria can be furious because this would have led to a goal and it should have been 3-1 to Almeria. How much does the referee take into consideration that it's his face that's been hit as opposed to his chest, Mark? Yeah, but listen, if, if, if there is an arm out, sometimes players are trying to aim for space. Sometimes players play act. And when an arm comes out and can hit the chest, and you see players rolling around, holding the place. So referees can't always trust what players are doing. They're acting. I think Jude Bellingham can't get the ball. He knows he can't contest the ball. And the moment he feels a little bit of a touch on his face, on his chest, or wherever he's, wherever he's going to feel the touch, he's going to go down and try and win the foul. I think the referee was in a great position to judge it. And I don't understand why the VR, who was in a very cold situation, he's in a booth somewhere in Spain and he's analysing this in slow motion and not understanding the game. Because for me, as a, as a, as a referee, I wouldn't deem this as a foul. As, as former players, I think we all know that you win the ball and you're trying to create some separation. Your arms get out because <laughs> it's part of protecting the ball. It's part of protecting your space. Now, I can tell you that we ask referees to be consistent. And while I disagree with the fact that this was given as a foul and that I would not give it as a foul, in Spain this year, this has been given as a foul time and time again. Today, in the game Atletico Madrid against Granada, there was a challenge of Marco Llorente inside the box where he gets his arm out trying to protect. There is contact somewhere in the area of the neck, face, head, whatever you want to call it. Goes down, the defender goes down, and that was given as a foul. In Spain, in La Liga, 
maybe as a directive, this has been given as a vow. I don't like it, and we don't like it as a whole, but in terms of consistency, let's just say that they have been consistently bad. Okay, so Mark says that he's got two out of three wrong so far, the referee on the day. Let's talk about the one that has gone viral, Mark. The old uh, chicken tonight uh, from Vinny Jr. Was this the right decision? Listen, Dan, I've, I've looked at as many angles that people have given us, and from different angles, it looks like it comes off his shoulder. There, this one looks like it comes from his shoulder, and it's above his sleeve. Again, I cannot be 100% unless somebody gives me the perfect angle where the, uh, the ball actually strikes the arm below the sleeve. If. I think the VR who sent the referee to the screen here, who has all yeah. the evidence, I can't see the evidence where that ball strikes below the sleeve. And I, I, I must have seen it at least 15, 20 times and I still can't make my opinion. And if the VR who has all of this evidence as well, why he sent the referee to the screen. The referees give the goal, and unless I've got no, clear no, evidence... No, no, he's disallowed the goal, Mark. He's disallowed the goal. Oh, he disallowed the goal? Ah, yeah. So, I didn't understand that. I thought the referee had given the goal. So, the VAR had sent him to the screen, and then he eventually gives the goal. Because for yeah. me, as, as we knew, Dan, the directive changed two seasons yeah. ago. Where, when we talk about handball, if the ball strikes below the sleeve of the jersey, that's now deemed as a handball. Anything above <laughs> the sleeve is not deemed as a handball. So, therefore, a shoulder, you can actually score with your shoulder, which, from the angles that I've saw, it clearly comes off your shoulder, and therefore, a goal was rightly given. Uh, it's a long sleeve. Yeah, Stevie, yeah. uh, you said yesterday it's a goal. You stick with yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Ali? I say stick with the decision made by the referee because I don't think there is enough evidence there to make this a clear and obvious error by the referee to begin with. Because, so because he gave no goal, you I, no I, goal. St I stay no goal because from one angle you see shoulder, but from another <laughs> angle you can make the argument that Vinny Jr. has given it the chicken wing. He's given it this. Given this movement, and let me just say, and I'm putting myself in the position of Vinny Jr. If I'm trying to shoulder this ball in, yes. right? Yeah. Right? The actual movement physically, as I'm trying to generate some sort of direction and power with my shoulder, would force my arm to actually tuck yeah. in as I <laughs> pop out my shoulder. You don't go shoulder up to do that. Okay? If indeed you're trying to score with your shoulder, you don't go shoulder out and then out further. You actually tuck the shoulder in so that then you can generate some power. From that angle, it looks like he's chicken winging the ball into the back of the net. Now, it may be, hold on, it may be of the shoulder, it may be of the shoulder, but I maintain that if indeed you're gonna try to score with your shoulder, you don't go that, you actually tuck it in and then pop out the shoulder. Regardless. Who have thought we'd be having this discussion? No, no, regardless, regardless, my point, my overall point is that there are different angles that give you a different picture and if there is doubt that means that this wasn't a clear and obvious error by the referee and therefore the call should not have been overturned because now we're going but down the path of re-refereeing the match. But if VAR thinks it's a clear and obvious error then they get the referee to look and clearly the referee changed his mind right. because he thought he'd made an error. Okay. So that explains that. No but that so so to answer to answer that which I, it's a valid point CB I'm not you know Thank I, you. it's a valid point but to answer that I would suggest the following. There, you got to go into the human factor of this whole process. Francisco Jose Hernandez, the referee, 
You haven't heard of him. Who? Yes. You haven't heard of him. Why not? Because this is his first year in La Liga. The VAR official, Alejandro Hernandez Hernandez, is a guy who has been a La Liga referee since 2012 and has been a full official referee since 2014. So if I'm Francisco Jose Hernandez, right, and this seems to be like a big occasion for me, Santiago Bernabeu, 70,000 people, right, and I have a guy who I trust to be well experienced and has my best interests in his heart and in his mind and his soul because he's trying to help me and he's telling me, hey, you better take a look at this. The moment he goes to the monitor, this guy, who's a young referee, up-and-coming referee, he's not withstanding this pressure. He's now letting himself be led by the VAR official, in this case Alejandro Hernandez Hernandez with a whole lot more experience. What's it, what other decision that's is he going to make? But that's what it's for. Yeah, but that's the whole point. No, no, you have no. an experienced guy helping out a young guy who's who's learning his trade while he's no, refereeing. No. So that's the right thing. But to he, do. but and he made end, he made the right decision. He made the right decision in not giving a foul to in the initial play for for Jude Bellingham. Right? He made the right decision and and was led by Alejandro Hernandez Hernandez to go change it. And the same thing here. Initially, he makes a decision, and I don't think there is enough video evidence to say this is a clear and obvious error. Was this a flagrant error by the referee? I don't think so. I don't think you can tell from one angle to the other. It's the shoulder or it's the arm. That's my point. Stay with the referee's decision. Wait, on the field. I, I just want to get Mar I want to get your view on this, Mario. Do you think that was a goal? Yeah, you know, what, what Ali explained was really, really clear. I understand totally what he says. Like, I, I will go for, like, you know, for me, the handball will be the dispute. The only thing is, like, of course, we're in the middle right now. But for him, the movement that he made, and I saw you laughing about it, sir, you know, Dan. But he's right. When you handle the ball with your arm, you go forward with your arm. If you were to go with your shoulder, you don't use your arm. Why is that a point? So How's that, that, how that, you that don't a point, though, go Mario? On. If he runs around and does this and then goes like that, are you <laughs> telling me, well, we can't do that? You're not allowed to Steve, do that. No, man, come on now. You the way the ball gets the way he pushes it. No, but what then is it's a handball. They give the handball. The rule says if it hits you in a certain part, it's not yeah. a handball. So whether he does this, that, that, whatever you want to do, makes no difference. It's where yeah, but the way he pushes in. And also what I don't understand, that, well, if you that's are not a team, a point, though. Yeah, but if you are a team and you're playing against them, look, look, that, that big side of a club. I've been in that situation where referees sometimes don't even give you the call because they go for the bigger club. And sometimes I said, hey, you got to blow the whistle two ways. And now I don't think they give them a clear opportunity to understand and like, come on now. They, they could have won the game. They could have been 3-1 up. And he's not giving a foul for Bellingham because he touches his face. No, 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 no. I agree that the, no. refer the referees in this game, no. no question. Real Madrid got a lot of calls because of Real Madrid. Right? Exactly. But we're actually arguing the point that it didn't hurt him in the arm. That's what this argument's about. I just want you to Regardless. do your arm thing again. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's very softball, softball. Yeah. I want to be a ref from now on. I want to be a ref from now on. Mark, to that point, if these incidents happen at the other end, they're not even talked about, are they? No, definitely, definitely not. But it's an interesting. We can have so much debate, really. Everybody's talking that there's a movement by the shoulder to the player, and we're talking. I'm going to actually take Ali's point. I'm going to go back to FIFA and say, can we bring chicken wings into the laws of the game? Because, <laughs> just because, just because, I make a movement with me arm and me shoulder. What we've got to define here, Dan, is what a handball. We've decided now, <laughs> under the laws of the game, a handball is where you, the ball strikes below the sleeve. 
So if it strikes above the sleeve and I make a movement, it's irrelevant. The movement is irrelevant if the ball strikes me shoulder. So forget about the movement. Let's just keep to the simple point. Did the ball hit below the sleeve of the arm? No, it didn't. There's no evidence no. to suggest that. So the goal was rightly given. If the sleeves are long, then no problem. It's enough below the sleeve. Meanwhile, there were other matches this weekend, and I want to take it to the Liverpool game. Liverpool, of course, in the end, winning comfortably by four goals to nil uh, against Bournemouth. But when it was nil-nil in the first half, we saw a strong challenge from Cliver on Diaz. Oh, this has been red, Mark. Listen, well, Dan, and we've got to give some... It's really difficult sometimes being a referee, because when I watched this live, I thought... Yeah, it's a challenge. I would like another look at it. The referee doesn't have that chance on the field of play. So let's give the, re- the referee a bit of benefit of the doubt here. However, with, this is where the frustration gets into the football. What the referee on, in the VR are doing is they're looking at the challenge. Is the severity, is the speed, is the malice, is the you know, intent came out of the laws of the game. So we don't look at intent anymore. So we'll look at the challenge. Does it endanger the safety of the opponent? What they then do, the referees look and... That analyze, and there's also a committee of ex referees and players every week analyze referee decisions within the Premier League. And when you look at the Curtis Jones incident, where the, the, this committee decided that that red, challenge, that red card was correct in awarding against Spurs, we've now got a similar challenge here. And the referees look at these challenges week in, week out at their meetings, and they've already given a similar incident with Curtis Jones, which I believe, endangered the, the opponent at Spurs. This is exactly the same. So why does the referee not follow the consistency that they've been following all season, which Ali Moreno said about the referees in Spain, about the arm, the flailing arm. This is an example in Premier League where one week we're seeing a red card and the next week we're not. Because when you see the studs, he lunges, he studs catch above the ankle, it actually buckles the leg And this clearly, for me, can endanger the safety of the opponent's leg and can easily break a leg. Just because it doesn't, doesn't say it's right, it clearly endangered the the safety of the opponent. So for me, this is 100% red card in consistency with the rest of the decisions that we've saw. I was okay with a yellow. No foul (laughs) was given, by the way. No foul, no yellow was given. I was okay with a yellow, but... Considering the point of Clats makes yes. about Jones, if that's a red, <clears throat> then that's a red. Right. So, but I was okay with a yellow, to be honest. Okay. I, I don't believe Jones should have been sent off either. But if that's the benchmark, then it's a red. Uh, let's, uh, there was one more game yesterday, wasn't there, with a couple of controversial late calls. Uh, Mark, what did you make of this? Frank and Shaka were debating this yesterday. Uh, it was Shaka actually who said that Ariola did concede the penalty. Frank defended yeah. Ariola because he gets kicked. Yeah, listen, I can analyse this week in, week out. What we've got is we've got a referee, Michael Salisbury here. And if we go back in the season, Michael Salisbury was the VAR when Man United and Wolverhampton, where Wolverhampton should have had a penalty. And PJ Moel came out and made a statement and said the VAR was clearly wrong by not informing the referee, Simon Hooper, that there was a penalty in this situation. And I think what Michael Salisbury's done... Probably on low in confidence, he's, he's analysed the decision and he's thinking back to the Man United situation at Wolves where he thinks that the goalkeeper has actually made a clear foul on the attack and that's why he's awarded the penalty. I can understand it, I don't agree with it, but I can understand the referee's philosophy. 
What I can't understand, because the goalkeeper of West Ham has been down for a while, he can clearly look, he's got a facial injury, he doesn't see the incident correctly. Surely the referee can have a conversation with the VAR and say, can you, can you give us some feedback here? Why is the goalkeeper's face, why is the goalkeeper getting treated with a face? Was there an arm in the face? Can you analyse it? And if there is a doubt, please send us to the screen because what you do see and what I've analysed is that when the ball gets played in, it's clear that McBurney clearly puts an arm across the goalkeeper's face and therefore he creates the foul on the goalkeeper anywhere before the goalkeeper gets a chance to make any contact with a ball or an opponent. So for me, the first incident is the foul by the attacker and therefore it should have been the defensive free kick. And that's me frustration that the VR has had so much time to see this and has come up with a wrong decision. Uh, one last one from that game. We're scratching our heads as to how the Bowen penalty wasn't given. <laughs> uh, the PTOML said it was our six of one, half a dozen of the other. I'm Robbie. <laughs> Wait, how, how many... What, what, Dan, what I look for in, in this situation is I look at the defender, the defender's starting position. And at that starting position, and, and Stevie Nickel might even comment, I, you know, because I'm not a defender, I'm just trying to analyse what players do. That defender isn't looking at the ball. And while he's not looking at the ball from the initial cross, that suggests to me he's wanting to play the man. And yes, there might be a small hole by the attacker, but then he lets go because he wants to get on the end of the cross. And then what we see is two arms around the defender, which then brings the attacker down, more like a rugby tackle. And for me... That contact then should deserve a penalty. And what I can't understand, PJ Moyle now saying, if that isn't a penalty, but then he's given the Sheffield United one, if, if he's going to give the Sheffield United one, 100% he's got to give the West Ham one. So where's the fairness? Where's the balance? Where's the, you know, where's the, the referees being consistent in this game when he's given two decisions within minutes of each other, which one is very, very soft if he thinks it's a, a penalty, but this one is certainly not soft. Last thing before I let you go, Mark. Ivan Tony, of course, returns. He moves the ball, gets the old phone, puts it uh, where he wants <laughs> it. What's the referee's rights? What's the laws here? And how disappointed would you be as an official to miss this? Well, listen, we'll go back to the basics. And I think what what has done for referees, it's stopped referees applying the basic lo logics. And what, what they've done is the assistants, the, the assistant who's across the field, he's not watching. The referee's not watching. So nobody's actually watching the, the player, Ivan Toni, where he's marking the ball. Because the referee's marked the spray. And what, what then has happened is, if you look at the Nottingham Forest wall, then there's an argument... Nottingham Forest defenders should have been aware and 100% they should have been aware because when you watch it, not one of the defenders is actually watching Ivan Toni at that time. So Ivan Toni's looking up, sees no Nottingham Forest players in the walls watching him, so he's moved the ball and what he's then cleverly done, he's actually moved the spray, which is even more bizarre, he's actually moved the spray to make it look like there's still the arc around the ball. This, this then is an act of if on sporting behaviour. So 100% within the laws of the game, Ivan Tony should have been cautioned. However, the VAR cannot interfere because VARs don't get involved in restarts of play. 
However, I'm sure IFAB and FIFA will look at these types of restarts because it's not fair that he's gained an advantage which has led to a goal from this restart. I think restarts need to be looked at within the, the remit of VAR. But at the moment, the VAR is powerless. But I'm sure now Nottingham Forest defenders will be more aware. And I'm sure Howard Webb and his team, when they meet up at Stock, uh, at um, uh, where is it, St George's Park now, where they meet at St George's Park, I'm sure he'll be instructing the referees to be more aware of players trying to move free kicks to try and gain an advantage. You must have had players all the time when you were refing, though, Mark, trying to take advantage. Yeah, of course they did. They always try to take advantage. They always want to get... What's bizarre, he's actually moving it forward as well. And I was at one point thinking he's going to actually put it on the line. And normally, <laughs> what I find with players is to actually move it backwards because they want to get the, the, the elevation. But what he's done smartly, he's trying to move it wider and wider. And, he, and he's done a good job. But, you know, people say, is he smart? Yes. Has he gained an advantage? Yes. Is it a part, is it a part of the game? No, it's not because you can't move the ball. However, you know, not the defenders and now be aware that, you know, you should be watching. And I'm sure next time, if a defender had seen it, I'm sure you would have informed the referee and said, look, he's moved the ball, but just move the wall another half an inch or another foot to block that side. And it would have made Ivan Tony's position even harder. So the defenders have got to be more aware as well. Klatt, as always, thank you very much. Uh, we do a little bonus segment with uh, Mark Klattenberg about his new career as a gladiator referee. Uh -oh. Hello. Uh, you can check that out over on our YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe to ESPN FC. Harland, De Bruyne, Stevie and Shepard, Spy, Shaka and Naps, all great teammates. But what's the perfect teammate for growing your business? Well, that's Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify makes it easy for you to show up exactly the way you want to. Customize your online store to your style with gorgeous, flexible templates and powerful tools. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash FC. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash FC now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash FC. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Right then, Liverpool with a 4-0 win over Bournemouth. A five points clear of Manchester City now in the Premier League. We discussed about, about how they would cope with Mo Salah. Well, in the end, it didn't really matter because they were so good. Jota and Nunez had dominated things in the second half. And we learnt more 
today about Salah's injury. This is what his agent came out and say. Mohamed's injury is more serious than first thought and he'll be out for 21 to 28 days and not two games. Obviously, the scenario was go back to Liverpool, get proper brilliant treatment there and then return to the African Cup of Nations for the knockout stages. It's a qualified Ipswich. Egypt are qualified for the knockout stages. However, the tournament is not going to... It's still it's going to be over by the time he's fit, Stevie. Mm. To be honest with you, I'm not even thinking about Egypt. <laughs> oh, there you go. We're talking about... But then you've got Darwin Nunez put, putting in the numbers. Not for one second of the thing about Egypt. I was thinking about Liverpool and Mo Salah. Um, but, but from but, what, what you witnessed yesterday and how good they were without him, yep. has it given you more hope if it's a long-term absence for Salah that you can push City all the way? Well, I think, I think when you ask a question and you're not sure of the answer, when you, when you get what you think is an answer, then it makes you feel better. So right. there's no question. Had Liverpool drawn nil-nil with Bournemouth, I mean, you can guarantee the whole weekend would have been spent going, oh, Liverpool with Salah. Yes. So, yeah, it's, it's nice that we thought, certainly I thought, that they had enough in that front line without Salah to produce chances and goals, and it's nice that they've actually gone ahead and done it. But as I said yesterday, I think the most important thing is for Klopp, he might have figured out how to play the three of them. Because yep. at the start of the game, Jota was through the middle, Diaz was on the right, and Nunes was on the left. He changed it at half-time, and you saw what happened in the second half with the three of them in the positions they were in. So, yeah, things are looking good, but still a concern. Uh, Jan is with us as well, but I'm going to ignore Jan, as I have done for most of the show already, uh, and go to Mario. Mario, who's harder to defend against, Nunez or Jota? I think Jota, Jota is, is harder for me. Why? Because I think he's more mobile. Uh, I think energetic, they're both similar because they, they both don't look like players that are ever going to complain about being tired. <clears throat> But you, of course, with Nunez, you're going to have that fight going on and, um, because of his height, his size, and, and the way he plays. But I think with Hata, he's just, you know, he's the way of turning and the way he accelerates, I think, on the short meters and definitely with the way in certain areas, like later 20 from the opponent's half, I think he can be more explosive. But I think he's harder. And me being tall against a shorter player is always going to be a little bit more focused from my side. Uh, Jan, as uh, number one member of the Erling Haaland fan club, who are you more concerned about, Liverpool or Arsenal? For City, I, I was said before the season, I stick to my guns and I say that it's Liverpool is the main challenger. And I think that Liverpool, when we've seen the first half of the season, we're coming into the second now and we see what they're doing yesterday. Jota may be, one, may be the most underrated finisher in the Premier League. I mean, we do rate him, but what a fantastic finisher. I think Liverpool will be there all the way. I think they will be worried at Manchester City that Liverpool having this form, not, no, no team has conceded less uh, goals than them and they're scoring goals for fun. And even without Salah, they score four. So I think they will be worried. Yeah, no concern, no salary, Jan. Well, I think that is interesting. I was listening to your, your debate uh, and, and you're talking about that. I think that with, without Salah, they can be there. Uh, they can be up there with Manchester City. And I'm not saying Arsenal is, is gone, but it's, it seems that the consistency is not there. So let's say this is between Liverpool and Manchester City. But to win the Premier League, you need Salah. Uh, what's been interesting and what is, we've discussed a lot, Mario, of late, 
is Virgil van Dijk being back to some of his very best recently. No coincidence that we're seeing that go along with Liverpool in these clean sheets. Yeah, of course. You know, look, if you defensively, when you don't concede, your, 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 your confidence side goes up. I think with van Dijk, of course, we know about the injury. Also, the people, the way they talk about him in Holland, because they ask him to do certain things in Holland that he doesn't have to do for Liverpool. For example, being on the ball, he doesn't have to be the guy that dribbles in the, the play and then, you know, like be more active and even sometimes do the things what the midfielder needs to do. That's what the Holland national team wants him to do. But that's not really Van Dijk's game. Van Dijk's game is like being in control and trying to dictate and sending, telling people where to be. I think that's what his strength is. But when you ask him to do different things, then you're going to get situations like this. But now, the confidence in the team, you're playing well. This is a team also that I I said, like, if you want a problem, I think Liverpool has the, the strength and, and the energy and also the focus of what club has, the determination. I think they definitely can create a problem because everybody's, of course, worried about Man City getting at the run. But we still have to see if that run is really coming in. And including mm. Liverpool, all want to root for him. And it has such an effect, I imagine, Ali, when you've got Van Dyke, your leader, mm-hmm. the man you look to when you're in trouble, back to his best, influences everyone, as opposed to when we've seen him over mm-hmm. the last couple of seasons where he hasn't been. And you told me you're dragging down everyone else with you. Well, well it, it simplifies everybody else's job. Right. If you have Virgil van Dijk back to his best, you trust that he's going to make the right decisions and you trust the message that he's given you. And you know that this guy, if indeed for whatever reason it breaks down, that he does have the sort of quality to cut out any sort of danger. When you have that, it makes things easier for everybody defensively. It gives you confidence as a group. It gives you confidence as a goalkeeper. It gives you confidence through the midfield. You feel like you can go press higher up the field because you don't feel like you have to protect the back line nearly as much, which then allows you to win the ball higher up the field and create chances from higher up the field. So, look, if you have Virgin van Dijk playing at, at his best, Liverpool is a different team and a much better team. Uh, let's talk about a uh, former Liverpool captain, just Mario, as you're on. How has the <coughs> signing of Jordan Henderson been received at your old club Ajax? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Why? Because Ajax normally, they go around and getting younger players to get involved into um, the first team. So getting Henderson in is because the team is very young. You understand? Defensively, they were on the age of around 19, I think. So their captain is a young boy coming through, Hato, 19 years old. So for that situation, for Henderson to come in, they, they, they spend more money than, you know, getting normally a club that develop and sell. So getting him in, he really wanted to play for Ajax. So that was the advantage for Ajax. And other teams tried to get involved. But they brought in a guy that was taking care of the City uh, recruitment, and he wanted that deal to happen, so flew over to England, sat down, and by my understanding, Henderson also uses the brother of uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold as an agent, so they got the deal done, and now it's, it's now they got to wait for the papers, so that's why the last game against Erika Say, what they won, Ajax, he couldn't be involved, so the next one is going to be Heracles, and that is a whole different ball game. But for him to go there, yes, he will have more, maybe, I don't know how to fan in Saudi Arabia but coming into Holland you will have the fan base because when Ajax turns up but the only thing is that he will get a big surprise when he's playing teams like that because the, everybody that he's going to face now Henderson with a great career he already had is want to prove a point and will mm. show themselves and try to really make him feel like hey, what are you doing here we want to test you so I hope he understands that because they need his experience he will need to talk to the younger team and he probably will expect them to play the football that he was 
he's used to when he was playing at Liverpool. You know, guys around him were great footballers. And Ajax, some are good, some have to learn a lot. And that's why it will be a father figure coming into a football team. Uh, Mario, as always, thank you very much for joining us. Mario's old side, of course, in action tomorrow with a 1-0 deficit as they take on Middlesbrough in the second leg of that Carabao Cup semi-final. That game live on ESPN, plus 24 hours later, we're at Craven Cottage, Fulham against Liverpool, Fulham 2-1 down against Jurgen Klopp's side. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets but expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. What a huge defining weekend it could prove to be in the Bundesliga over the last couple of days. Bayer Leverkusen, of course, scoring that late, late winner against Leipzig to continue their undefeated start to the season. Bayern Munich, meanwhile, losing their second league game of the season. Seven points the difference between the defending champions and Xabi Alonso's side. A lot of questions about Thomas Tuchel at the moment. Uh, this is what you have to say after the game. When you sign for a club like Bayern Munich, you sign for 100%. That applies to the coach, that applies to the players. We didn't deliver that today. We played as if we were 10 points ahead and still had a Champions League game on Tuesday. Jan Argafjortov is still with us. Jan, so many things I want to ask you. And, and I, I want to start off with something that Stevie said yesterday. There's almost a nonchalance about Thomas Tuchel. In the, not that he doesn't care, but do you understand what I'm trying to convey? Yes, but I think that is, is A or B, maybe doing too much. Maybe he tried to demand too much from them. We, we, we hear all the time in the German press that they are so unbelievable good in training. They even went to, <laughs> went to Portugal now doing all this stuff. They had time to train, individual training, set pieces. They go home, play Werder Bremen. Werder Bremen, have, they haven't won there since, uh, against Bayern since 2008. That is 28 games. And we saw the game deservedly winning at Allianz. It was not like Bayern were like hammering them with a lot of chances. No, I think that nonchalance is correct, but for the team. And they are looking for all kinds of solutions now. Why is this all happening? But when you see Werder Bremen winning there, I think it's down to the heat that Leverkusen sets for them. They play a day before, and this Bayern team can't take the heat. They can't handle the heat. Can you imagine the great Bayern Munich team with so many trophies, with so many great players, so many great managers and team, and then Bayer Leverkusen goes to Augsburg, winning in injury time. They go to Leipzig, winning in the injury time. All Bayern got to do is to win some home games. They did again Hoffenheim, but Hoffenheim had chances, remember. But they still won 3-0. Now they're playing Werder Bremen, losing 1-0. They got a game in hand on Wednesday against Union Berlin. 
There were supposed to be nine clear points for them. And Leverkusen got a heat on them. And there is no leader in this team, Dan. There is no leaders around anymore in this team. And they're just hiding behind some goals of Kane and some in the shirts or skirts of Ole Hernes. What has Thomas Tuchel actually done since he's taken over? Yeah, and how, what positive influence has he had on this team? Because obviously Borussia Dortmund handed them. Uh, the title, didn't they, last year? And since then, it just seems to be moaning. You know, I wanted Paulinho from Fulham. I need a holding midfield. I didn't want this, that and the other. There doesn't seem to be, I don't know, it doesn't seem to be much connection between him and his players. Which is fair that the manager uh, wants new players and he will see that it's an unbalanced team. Maybe I don't have the right back. What is Davies doing on a left back? I need a number six. But you're right. Uh, the fact is that... The stats of Nagelsmann played in around 80, 84 games is much better or still better than Thomas Tuchel. Got, got them knocked out of the cup. As you were saying, they're winning the trophy, the Bundesliga trophy, but that was down to Dortmund losing it. And you can't see any progress now. And I say this with a, what do you say, a heavy heart or a... Or mm. a yeah, I, I say that because I rate Thomas Tuchel, but there's something going on at that club at the moment. There's something about the culture. There's something about when they run out on that pitch. It doesn't seem to have any consistency. It doesn't seem to have any way that they handle it with each other. And we could say, even that that was just before I came on now, I was reading an article. No, apparently they have the hurricane curse. The oh, hurricane no. curse. <laughs> yeah, Harry. Yeah. No, no, no. That has already come. Harry Kane never won anything for Tottenham. He's going to Bayern. And now, ladies and gentlemen, oh. they won't win, win any title this season. That's how far we've come. Yeah, of course. It's, it's all, all Harry's fault in the end. Um, <laughs> take a look at that. There it is. Uh, there is the headline, the curse. Uh, the sinister curse of Harry Kane. Um, Harry Kane's obviously been excellent this season, Jan. Which are the players that you feel have let this side down? Well, if we start from the back, we talk about Van Dijk playing for Liverpool, doing the players around him better. The problem is at the back, there is no way that Upamakano, Delict, or Davis making each other good. They, they look insecure, they're conceding goals. In midfield, all this talk about the number six, Kimmich, who sees himself as a German captain, as a Bayern captain, his bonus at Bayern at, in Germany is gone. And he played now, but still, he was taken off after 64 minutes. Leroy Sané has been good this season, Harry Kane being good, Musiala one of the best players, but the rest of them this season average. And I will also say, but I, mean, I don't know how the boys see, the other boys sees this, but I, there's always a big challenge. What do you do with players that have been there forever, legends of the game, like Thomas Müller? I mean, Thomas Müller, should he play? He shouldn't play. Should he occupy a place in the team? I'm not saying that Thomas Müller is the reason, but there is something in the balance of that team that is not happening. And yeah, we talked about our man uh, Davis since it was, he was linked to Real Madrid. He hasn't done any proper defending at least and his famous run going forward are still missing in action so there is a lot of things to sort out uh, at Bayern and remember in a couple of three rounds they're playing Leverkusen away from home that could be the title decider 
It's interesting, Ali, you look at that starting 11, and if we were to do one of our ESPN FC top 100s, mm. pretty much all those names mm. w- w- would be in that list. So you look and you ask, why are these players not performing to the level that we expect them to? Right, and it's interesting, you started this conversation with Thomas Tuchel and what his perception or position is at Bayern Munich. And part of being a manager at Bayern Munich, you sort of have to handle the politics of the club and the politics of the locker room, a locker room that was well-established when he came in. At the very core of, those, of the politics of that locker room is a name that Jan mentioned there, Joshua Kimmich. Thomas Tuchel, since he came in, says we don't have a number six. Joshua Kimmich, by definition, is their number six. So what does Thomas Tuchel see him as? Well, he sees him as anything but. And, and, all right? and, so he, and he's made it a point. But what he hasn't done yet, and, and I, I think we're to the point now, if you don't think that he's your guy, then don't play him. Don't play him. Stop massaging egos then. Don't play him. Put him, out, put him on the bench. But he knows that that's a big decision to make. But we're to the point now... We're to the point now, if you're Bayern Munich and Thomas Tuchel, where you need to make changes, where you need to make adjustments, where you need to change the feeling of the locker room and the feeling of the team and say, guess what? We need the attention of everybody. And I don't care what you have done in the past in this club. I need you to perform at the highest level possible right now. So while he's sort of kind of sending messages here and there and everywhere, in actuality, he hasn't made the tough decision just yet. The time to make the tough decision is now. Is he doomed? Unless they can get some fresh faces in, uh, it looks that way. I mean, other than Kane, this is the same team that struggled last year. And, and when you've got people like Kimmich uh, and Goretzka and other people who, who are not producing their very best, you have to freshen things up. And they haven't been able to. And so it's just continued. It's basically just continued. That's, that's the only thing I'll stick up for, for, for the coach as. Because sometimes you need freshening up. N- and, and they've gotten away with so much so far just because they've got Harry Kane up front. But they're going to need more than that. He was forced to freshen things up because of suspension by Joshua Kimmich and illness by Joshua Kimmich. And that happened to coincide with the best performances that we have seen from Bayern Munich this season, which was against Borussia Dortmund, the destruction of Borussia Dortmund, and the destruction of Stuttgart away from home. Look, it's right there for you to see. Now you've got to make the decision in which Rafael Guerrero and Pavlovich play through the middle and not Joshua Kimmich. That's a tough decision to make. That's a tough but, decision to sell. But if indeed you're going to go down, then go down with, with the players that but, you think can do the job for you, not hanging on to the guy who was there to begin with. Uh, we just, just have to say about Kimmich is that Kimmich, so to say, the last three, four, five, six seasons, he, he's been a crown prince of German football. This is the guy who should be the new Kaiser, the new king. He could play right back. He can play as a number six. He was a leader. He was the player without an agent. Look how mature he is and everything. And then slowly he's kind of losing his bonus. And remember, when Nagelsmann w- was there, he tried to build up Kimmich. That was his man. He, he was go-to player. They, they were they're famous now in Germany about all these ski holidays. First, Neuer got himself <laughs> injured. Uh, Nagelsmann was fired in a ski holiday. And now Kimmich met them. They were meeting up in a chalet, the the two of them, that didn't make his position better when Nagelsmann was fired. So it's an interesting discussion that Alice is talking about. What do you do with a so influential player 
Either you have to just sell him. Should you sell him the winter transfer window? It won't happen. But what are you going to do in the summer? You just have to start all over again. Because as, as for the moment, Kimmich is playing, not playing well. Goretzka was on the, on the bench now. That is the big thing now. Why, why didn't he play? And so on and so on. So you have it going all the time now. So let's just take a look at the title race. As I mentioned, of course, Bayern Leverkusen leaving it late. But boy... Did they get the three points in the end in that clash against Leipzig? Yet, they still remain outsiders <laughs> when compared to Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich have failed. How cool is this Leverkusen story, Jan? Well, it's, it's so cool in terms of 15 wins, three draws, Alonso. I think that we have to say Alonso, the major thing. I know the players are scoring the goals. I know that the players are are keeping that winning thing in Augsburg and in Leipzig. But it's something about it when you have a coach that know what it's like to winning. There are so many iPad coaches running around in football. Alonso <laughs> got the merit as well. Everywhere where he's been, he's been a winner. You have the feeling that he won a trophy the day he was born. And why is that important for Leverkusen? Because Leverkusen never had that culture. There is a reason we said this is a cliche, but they've called Neverkusen because they can never win anything. And then they got Alonso <laughs> in there. And imagine Alonso at halftime and say, steady boys, we can do this. And when you listen to Alonso, you listen differently than a guy that have to put up a PowerPoint presentation on an <laughs> iPad yeah. at halftime to say that you're winning in Leipzig. Uh, give me percentages then, Jan. Uh, I will say at the moment, based on the experience of Bayern, I would still say, uh, now I would say 55, Leverkusen 45, oh, Bayern. Of course. Now, a big game for Bayern coming up. You can see that live on ESPN+. Plus. They have that game in hand, don't they? After the clash against Union Berlin was postponed earlier on in the season. That game then live on Wednesday. Uh, be sure to check that out on ESPN+. Plus. Um, our coverage starts at 2.30 Eastern. Uh, Jan will be back uh, on Extra Time. Always uh, many fish questions uh, when Jan is on. Uh, be sure to check that out. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Well, there we go. Uh, that is it then. That brings us to the end of uh, today's show. Uh, be sure to stay tuned. Jan is back. Obviously, Ali and Stevie alongside us uh, to answer your questions for extra time, which I believe I'm writing saying is next.
Welcome in there to the latest edition of Extra Time. Oh, Jan's very close oh. to the camera. There yeah, he yeah, is. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> Ali's here, as is Stevie. Um, Ali, I don't have the Oh, change your face. Change your face. Change uh, your Jan, face. how have you been? I, I feel like I haven't seen you for a while. What's been going on? Wait a second. I am fine. I'm fine. The questions are not here. I, I had a weekend off. I went to my uh, parents' ha uh, home, uh, stayed there for three days, which was nice. Oh, yeah. lovely, Jan. Oh, very good. Yeah. That's East, all right. West coast of Norway, the most beautiful place on earth. Beautiful. Uh, there you go. Uh, for Jan, how quickly does Pep reintroduce Haaland to the squad, seeing as they're flying high without him? Wow. I won't say I, I, I won't say anything, but I was planning to do Liverpool Chelsea next Wednesday. I'm doing City Burnley. Oh, oh wow. wow, look at that. Breaking news. Well, I guess he's covering Oscar Bob. I like it. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> and you read between the lines, Stevie. Yeah. Uh, Jan, percentage chance of Leverkusen ending Bayern's 10 year run this season. You gave us 55%, I believe, on the show. I did, and uh, it's one of the reasons is that. Uh, that Bayern can't take the heat of Leverkusen. Can you imagine what, what's going on in German football? And I, th I think it's a lot of down to Alonso. Bayern will kind of find a trick. They will be linked to Florian Wirtz. They will be linked to Boniface. They will be linked to Ta. And they will even be linked to Alonso. But Alonso just calm down, do his, is doing his own passes, playing in five against two in training, have a good time and winning games in Augsburg and in Leipzig. You know, you know what? Five, higher or lower, Ali? Well, I'm taking Bayer Leverkusen at this point, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and can I just say that we we talked about Thomas Tuchel in the show a lot, and it is very damning evidence when you see Thomas Tuchel's Bayern Munich and you see Xavi Alonso's Bayern Leverkusen. Right. Because you see the influence and the personality of a manager in Leverkusen, and you're not seeing any of that at Bayern Munich. So when you put those things together. Bayern Leverkusen have been the best team in Bundesliga by far. Bayern Munich have hung around because of the goals of Harry Kane and because they found some ways to get and run into results. But in terms of consistency, Leverkusen have been much better. Uh, Stevie, did you ever get fined or punished for criticizing the referee after a match? Yeah. Ooh. Couple of times. <laughs> Couple of times I got fined. I mean, I didn't swear, but basically. No. Blamed, blamed the referees for, for losing the game. Right. Brought up certain decisions. Um, so, yeah. How much, how much did you get fined? I think the first one was like $1,000. And the second one was $1,500. How was that telling Eleanor that first? And well, that was the biggest problem. <laughs> <laughs> on the drive home going, they're telling today or they're wait till Monday. <laughs> You're going to rip it off. Sure, like a band aid, isn't it? Just go for it. Yeah. Does Paul get I, fined I, as well? No. By association, it's Not all unless, on you. No, he only gets fined when he gets sent off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which happened but, once? Which happened once when I, well, I we... got sent off yeah. the previous game. Oh, look, Neil Warnock tells a story of making his players pay the fine. Yeah. But, but what he said in the post-match interview. Well, if you knew Neil Warnock, then you yes. wouldn't be surprised. That... <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, we, have you ever been yeah, fined? Yeah, I haven't been fined. I've never been sent off in my, uh, my career. But no. uh, we played we played with Rapid Vienna. We played Inter. That was the year when they won the UEFA Cup with Matthäus, with Klinsmann, with uh, and, uh, Bremer. And we beat them the first game. The second game we played in Italy. There was no chance that it, they were supposed to to lose that game. It's around 91, and you can imagine 
the the quality of the referees at the time and we yes. we played at the end 11 against 9 we got two men sent off and we still went to the extra time lost 3-1 and we were, were of course out so our vice president who uh, sadly died a couple of months ago bless bless him uh, but he went into he didn't say anything to the referee but he went into the referee's room and start crawling around under under the floor and under the benches and the referee asked him what what he I said I'm looking for the bag of money that you have received from the wow. Italians. He, he, he was just he was to suspe- suspended one year. Uh, no surprise. <laughs> well, back, back in the even in the 90s, I mean, because in the 80s, absolutely referees were getting paid off. But, right. but even in the 90s, it was actually allowed that the, the referees would get gifts from yeah. from the home team. Mm, yes. I mean, I'm, and I'm not talking about. A little toy, so I'm talking about like watches worth thousands of pounds. A little toy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we used to get. So we we go to the hotel. Everybody had a little present in the room. Right. But it would be a, like a little. From who? Who's giving from you the this hotel? Present? The hotel again. Ah, it'd be like some little <laughs> trinket. Toy, a trinket. Toy rubbishy wasted time. Right. Okay. <laughs> But not the referees. No, they, no, they, were, getting, they were getting Rolexes. <laughs> Ali, would you swear at referees in Spanish or English? Both. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, but, but in Spanish there is more variety. Was, yeah. there, 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 you know, there's more space to really express your thoughts and right. feelings. So I, I tried to go Spanish once I go yeah. re- really mad. It, I go back to my roots. Yeah, do you go Norwegian when you get <laughs> mad, Jan? Unfortunately not. I, I'm not a big swearer, but just in English. So I, I had a problem because I'm only swearing in English. So I had a problem. Uh, but I learned some German phrases. But in Germany, you know, also in the 90s, you were allowed, especially in England, you had you were allowed more to talk to the referees. You you would have right. a dialogue. They would run around you. They would say, well done, unlucky, and all that kind of thing. And when at the end of my career, when I played in Germany, I couldn't say hello before a game without getting a booking. So that was a big, big difference. But the refs used to be able to swear at you. Right. And you like, as Craig talks about loving that. No, it was great. Yeah. I, I, I remember yeah. a guy called Lester Schapter gave a free kick. I said something to him, I swore at him, and he just turned at me and, and gave me the same back. Right. And I was like, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. None of this nonsense now. You get Did you ever players. try that at home? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> That's why you leave it on the field, Dan. You leave it on the field. Yeah, you don't take it home with you, Dan. Yeah. No, no, definitely not. Uh, Stevie, was your full debut for Liverpool as good as Connor Bradley? Was it good yesterday against Bournemouth? Um, well, he played, he, oh, he came on as a sub, didn't he? You're right, full there we are. Yeah. Um, my, I would say no, because my debut was completely and totally and utterly forgettable. Okay. Which is perfect. Right. Don't make any mistakes. Keep it simple. Keep don't, it simple. Don't muck it up, yeah. Don't muck it up. That's all you got to do. So, yeah. So, yeah, probably. Probably, di- probably didn't get the attention that he got, but yeah, absolutely normal. Well, will he be player of the year? Probably not. Probably. <laughs> no, exactly. Nah, good point. No, no <laughs> yes. Arrival fits, Ali, have become more of a thing this season when players go to training sessions. During your playing day, was it also similar? If so, which of your teammates tried the hardest on the arrival photos and who pulled it off best? An arrival fit. Well, you know when you see them coming down the tunnel in oh. football, basketball, oh, oh, and they've really made an effort. Okay. 
But we usually, I mean, we usually, quite frankly, we usually would have the team gear on. Right, so you were kind of, uh, you think of Graham Souness would make an effort, no? Mm. No, but well, we. It was... you, I, I'm, I'm not sure what you're on about here. So when you when, so when you go to games, so you're talking about the outfit you're wearing. The outfit you're wearing. off the bus to go. To yes, yes, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We well, we used to wear our own suits. Right. But to be honest, it was just a case of who you could wind up and slag off the most for what they had on. Uh, there was obviously the time you wore um, Eleanor's pants. I did, I. Yes. Would you <laughs> like to tell that story? Well, I, uh, so I was getting ready in the hotel to, to get on the bus to go to the game. And as I said, we used to wear our own gear. We used to wear our own suits. Yes. And part of the problem was that if you had something that was just a little bit different, you would get absolutely annihilated by everybody. And even if you didn't have anything different, you just got annihilated anyway. Uh, and fortunately, I, I kind of got away with it. So I was getting dressed, I got on the bus, and I pulled my, pulled my pants on. Yeah. And the zip was at the back. I <laughs> 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 thought, oh dear, I picked up the wrong pants for the washing line. Yeah. But, yeah. I, but I got away with it. Right, these are trousers, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. But I got away with it. Right. Until I'd had about seven or eight beers on the bus. Right, and then you were like, look told, everyone. I told one of the lads, <laughs> and of course, two seconds later, the whole bus knew it. Uh, would you, were you disappointed not to have the Spice Boys FA Cup final suits? Back in the day, <laughs> that, would, that would never have happened. If, uh, yeah, our day. that was quite something. Wasn't it? No. Was it David James who designed? I'm trying I to think it was Jamo. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. I don't. I, I still. These were all I, white, Ali. Mm. And were unbelievable. Pure white. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just. It was just ridiculous. I'm still shocked that that Ronnie and Roy somehow didn't make them change it and, yeah. and not let them wear it. it. Yeah. I still don't understand that. But it's also a thing that it's more done now because social media and everybody has access to the phones or whatever so your outfit is actually going to be seen yes. by a lot of people and you want it to be seen yeah yeah, yeah. yeah exactly but zip at the back <laughs> yes <laughs> correct but now now yeah. <laughs> Back then, you didn't quite get this sort of attention, even if you yeah. had a zipper in the back. Uh, yeah, and what was your arrival fit like? <laughs> uh, in the 90s, we all had the same boring tracksuit, didn't we? Uh, but to, on a serious note, I would say that sometimes I was, uh, for a couple of years, manager for the Norwegian national team, and the players, this is five, six years ago, they had the biggest, like, this kind of thing. Was it in English? The uh, headphones? Earring, headphones. Yeah, headphones. headphones. They, the biggest headphones in the world, and they came out of the bus, <laughs> they just went into the dress room, and I stopped that. I said, oh. take them off, because that is a body language. They're all, you know, but they're all these fans standing outside from the bus going into mm. the stadium. My God, it's 50 meters. Take off your things and, and say at least with your body language that you love your fans. And also, there is no harm in going over and sign some autographs. So I was standing in a bus when they came out. You left, you right, you left, right. Take off your, your speakers and try to do something. Because sometimes I, I, I'm not an old... Uh, yes, I am an old man. And I'm, but I, I understand that the new generation got a different view than us and different things. But still, that to connect with the fans, you don't do that with these headphones that looks bigger than your head. You know, Bravo, Jan. Oh, hey, you know what? Yeah. It's not just the fans, Jan. It's each other as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Do you remember Maka? We were up on a pint, and Maka yes. was. Because I was asking about, you know, what the players like now. And yeah. 
because we used to have a right laugh and a carry on and yes. this and that. And he yeah. said, you know, I got on the plane, they were, they were going somewhere, I got on the, got on the plane, he goes, and there was absolute silence. Right. Yeah. He said, because, because one, they had the big headphones that Jan's on about, and they were either listening to music, or they had their iPads, they were watching movies, or watching it, but there was absolute silence. There was no communication, no connection, nothing. Yeah. I mean, we used, we used to... Which, which takes, us back to, well, takes us back to one of your most famous quotes on this show. I don't like flying anymore because nobody's singing. Well, yeah, we used to be singing so well. I mean, you used to run around. You know, the sick bag you used to run around, sneaking up behind people, blowing it up and going yeah, like that. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't even do that anymore. Oh, What's wrong with people? Yeah. I mean, seriously. Health, like, health and safety gone mad. <laughs> but, yeah. but, so it was constantly that sort of stuff all the time. Yeah. yeah. To and now I, you try, oh, you get dragged off. Oh, now, you, now you get pulled off the flight and stuck in jail. Yeah, <laughs> but, I, but I don't I know so when this show became anti-beats by Dre. By the way, no, oh, no, but, no but Stevie, <laughs> Stevie, Stevie got a very valid point. I haven't thought about that for some time because in England, when you go to games, you pro you always go with a bus, but there were. Sometimes we went with a plane and go and playing with English football players. That was so funny because yeah. it was all kind of tricks. And if someone stood up, uh, a grandmother or a grandfather was always a player. Sit down, and they went down <laughs> straight away. <laughs> and all those kind of things. That is child on a trip, although uh, I'll go it was funny. I got go it. I got it. You know, my favorite one was not long after I joined on one of my first trips. It was pre-season, and we're in the bar in the in the, old, in the airport, and we had the, we had like a five-pound note, sellotaped on the end of a little thing that you pulled, mm -hmm. so it was about <laughs> ten foot long, and you just walk. You would sit in the chair and go like that and throw it out, and people would be like, oh, "All right," and go to pick the pick the money up, and you just go. And of course, everybody was. We were all sitting. Look, everybody was kidding on. They weren't looking, but. As soon as the person in the bar went to pick it up, you just let it go and it came in and the whole place erupted. We were all laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what you used to do. Simpler times. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you should try that when you go on holiday, when you fly on Friday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah see, see how that works. <laughs> Start a sing song. <laughs> yes. Just get in the plane and sing, Stevie. Uh, that is it. That brings us to the end of today's show. Thank you very much to everyone who has been on. Imagine Stevie on the, on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Stevie on the mic. I know. I've seen thing. you on the mic. All oh, right, then. <laughs> we will be back uh, tomorrow. Chelsea Borough, of course, in the uh, Carabao Cup. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, 
the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 